With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. To celebrate Marketplace's 35th anniversary, we made some throwback thank you gifts you can get when you donate during this March fundraiser. We took our old .com era logo and put it on a sticker, a glass mug, a tote bag, and a t-shirt. No matter how you donate, you can get a fun piece of Marketplace history. Check them out at marketplace.org slash give tech. These limited edition gifts are only available through March 22nd. Get yours at marketplace.org slash give tech. The red envelope era officially comes to an end. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. In 2023, we said goodbye to a service you might not have known was still around. DVD delivery from now streaming giant Netflix. Netflix found a simple low-cost formula. Free trials and unlimited rentals delivered by plain old U.S. mail for a flat fee. And we've always been obsessed by an economic model that works. That was one Reed Hastings, co-founder of Netflix, speaking to CNN in 2002. With a collection of more than 100,000 titles delivered in those red paper envelopes, the DVD service still had utility even years into the company's shift to streaming. When Marketplace listener Shri Vidachalam's mom visited the U.S. from India in 2011, to keep her entertained, he considered streaming as a possibility. But it had limited options for ethnic Indian movies. And the DVD package actually had a lot more exhaustive collection. They only stayed for, you know, a couple months, but it was a fun little memory that they have. Netflix pulled the plug on the service in September. We asked Slate's Sam Adams what he'll remember most. I had my local art house video store that I loved. I had a blockbuster that I would go to occasionally. And Netflix was kind of a supplement to those things. It was like, it was a place that had everything. You know, they had 100,000 titles. They would have the stuff that was too obscure for your local art house store. They would have the big movie that you would have to wait weeks for at Blockbuster. They had everything. So that was really the, the appeal initially, is they were, you know, no matter how deep the cut, no matter how big the movie, you would be able to get it through Netflix. Any particular examples come to mind in terms of, you know, this obscure content, the foreign films or the the series that might have been too obscure? Uh, I think the best example of, of how deep Netflix's catalog was, there's this movie called The Mahabharata, which is a British avant-garde theater director, Peter Brook's five-hour adaptation of this uh, Sanskrit epic. Um, and that was, you know, not something that even my, you know, big city art house store could afford to buy their own copy of in stock, but Netflix had it. Huh. There was nothing you could think of, really, that they didn't have. And if on the off chance that you were able to do that, you could put it in your queue, sort of put it on the wait list, and then if enough people did that, they would add it. 
Yeah. And certainly that doesn't sound like something you'd find at your local Blockbuster, right? So, you know, this was a massive physical library uh, with hundreds of thousands of DVDs. Explain what the draw was for consumers, not just the people that like the super obscure stuff, but like the mainstream consumer. Um, The availability was a huge draw for mainstream consumers and also the ease of use. Netflix was sort of became iconically associated with the queue right at the beginning, which is something else that's kind of (laughs) fallen out of memory in a way. But that was, you know, you could not only make a list of the movies that wanted you see, but you could put them in order. You could, you know, if you wanted to do, say, watch like a bunch of horror movies from some obscure label or a bunch of, you know, whatever Julia Stiles rom-coms or whatever it was, you could just make a list of those and they would just keep sending them to you and you wouldn't have to, you know, keep it in your mind or keep checking your local store. They would just kind of come to you one at a time and you could um, prioritize them. And that basically took the whole sort of effort of trying to manage what you were going to watch next off the table. Netflix was essentially doing that work for you. As you've been reflecting on the retirement of Netflix's DVD service, you know, you talk about it being the loss of something bigger. How do you explain to someone who only knows Netflix as a streaming service what it is that we're losing here? So Netflix was sort of one of the first internet businesses to really operate on this idea of the long tail, which is the idea that rather than just selling the most popular things to the most people, which is how businesses have always worked, you could also you know, build a business and a career as a creator, just selling your very niche thing to, you know, a small number of people. So instead of selling one movie to a million people, you could sell a million movies to a million people. Uh, and so Netflix was the embodiment of that in that they had 100,000 movies. They didn't all need to be the most popular because if they had a big enough user base, there was always going to be someone who wanted, you know, that, that, that movie no matter how obscure. And that is so different from the way Netflix operates now. They had, you know, at their height, something like over 100,000 different titles. Um, Now they have, they don't really break the data out anymore, but they have something like 4,000 movies. Oh my gosh, that's such a difference. Yeah, which is sort of ironically, that's about the size of like a pretty well-stocked local video store. If you go to Netflix being like, I want to watch this movie, I really want to watch, you know, The Godfather or 10 Things I Hate About You or whatever it is, the odds of that being there are very small. It's like looking into going into a used bookstore looking for a specific book. It's probably not going to be there. If you're kind of in the mood for, you know, an an action movie or romantic comedy or whatever it is, Netflix will have one of those and you'll probably like it pretty well. But it's not going to be the specific thing that you are looking for if you know, that is how you approach viewing. And I think a lot of people don't approach it that way anymore. You don't make this list of, you know, these are the 50 movies I want to see this year. It's just what is the easiest thing that will be sort of moderately pleasant for me to watch. And that Netflix is very good at serving that to you. We'll be right back with more on the lasting legacy of Netflix's DVD service after this. You're listening to Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. We're back with Slate's Sam Adams. When you look back at the DVD services legacy, how how do you describe it? I think at Netflix DVD's legacy is twofold. I mean, the, the first thing you have to really acknowledge is that they essentially killed the local video store. Mm-hmm. And you could argue that that might have happened anyway. You know, internet speeds were getting faster. Streaming a video is going to become a thing. It's much easier to just click a button on your remote 
But Netflix really pushed that. And, and because of this long tail strategy that they had initially, uh, they really made your local video store kind of obsolete. There's no way a local store, you know, even the biggest blockbuster didn't have you know, a fraction of the movies that Netflix did. Um, so they wiped out all those stores. And then having done that, they then kind of retracted to this initial promise of we're the place that has everything. And now it's like, well, we're the place that has something and where else are you going to go? But I do think, I mean, they had a tremendous effect in terms of changing what people expected from a content service. So there's so many more movies on the internet now. There's so many streaming services, wonderful places like Mubi and the Criterion Channel um, that have just this incredible wealth of titles that, you know, as a kid waiting for like, you know, David Lynch's Blue Velvet to come back in at the video store, like I would have killed to be able to spend, you know, 10 or 15 bucks a month and have access to the amount of things as easily as you can get from some of these services nowadays. You know, there are still movies that fall through the cracks. There are movies that are not on DVD. The streaming rights are always kind of drifting back and forth between one platform and another. And that can be very confusing and, and frustrating to try to navigate, especially if there is a specific thing you want to watch. But I think the like the sheer wealth of availability um, that Netflix kind of helped push and that the internet has made so accessible to everyone, that's a, a tremendous good. That was Sam Adams at Slate. You can read Sam's piece on the rise, fall, and legacy of the Netflix DVD service on our website, marketplacetech.org. Over 5 billion DVDs were shipped during the service's lifetime, according to Netflix co-CEO Ted Sarandos. When it ended, Netflix let the people still subscribe to the service keep the DVDs they had rented as a parting gift. And yes, there were nearly a million subscribers who stuck with it until the end, Though that pales in comparison to the 16 million subscribers at its peak. Daniel Shin produced this episode. I'm Lily Jamali, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM.